Trinity Central. We exist to make God central to our lives and our world. You are listening to a recording of one of our Sunday messages. For more information, please go to trinitycentral.org. A series called Alive in Christ, and we've been looking at different areas of uh, what it means for us to be, to walk in Jesus, to have our lives set free and to live in the goodness of what God has for us. We've talked about um, how our identity needs to be settled in Christ, how uh, we can be, we, we experience forgiveness, how we come into repentance. We've talked about healing of wounds and we've talked about forgiving others. And then over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about fear. And uh, I want to particularly Uh, come to a place this morning where we get to pray for freedom from fear. So the the message this morning is uh, we're going to be talking about free from fear, that Jesus sets us free from fear and talking about how we can be delivered from fear and how we can walk in freedom from fear. So why don't we just pray together for a moment uh, and then we'll dive in. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you, Jesus, that your perfect love casts out or drives out all fear. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd help me this morning. I pray that you'd come on us this morning. I pray, Father, that we would walk in freedom from the controlling impact of fear in our lives. And that rather than being a of fearful people, we would be a people fueled with faith, expecting great things of God and stepping into our lives, our general ordinary day lives, the decisions that we make, but also our spiritual life, what you have called us into with faith that you have called us. So Holy Spirit, I pray for your power to come this morning. I pray that you'd overshadow us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, over the past couple of weeks, we've talked about uh, fear and the challenge of fear. And I just want to start by reminding us of a couple of things that we've learned, and then we're going to get into the the detail of the passage. We've talked about uh, how fear can control us and uh, make us make decisions. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit more in a moment. But the Bible reveals God as two things, both sovereign uh, which, or supreme, which means that he is ultimately in control of all things. He has power over all things. Another word we might use for that is omnipotent. He is powerful in every situation, in every circumstance. There's literally no uh, power that can stand against him. There's no circumstance that isn't under his control. God is sovereign and supreme, But the other thing that the Bible teaches us is that God is also good, that he is innately good, that he has never in any shape or form ever had a a, a wrongful or a, a unhelpful or an inappropriate thought. He's never done something that was intrinsically negative or evil. Everything that he thinks, everything that he speaks, everything that he does, every action he takes is innately good because he is good. Uh, his whole nature, the nature of his being is good. Now, if you think about it, there are two, uh, the two most terrifying realities that we could conceive of as a human race is, first of all, of a God who is sovereign but not good. Can you imagine a God who is all-powerful but in his power is not really interested in our well-being, does not care? cares only in that sense about himself. That is a terrifying prospect. The idea of an all-powerful being that, is, uh, that has in some sense a measure of evil, that's a terrifying prospect. The other po- uh, terrifying thing, maybe not as terrifying, but, but certainly terrifying, is the idea of a God who is uh, good, but he's not sovereign. Uh, he is good towards us, but he, he isn't able to, con- to command and control all things. Uh, 
And, and so this idea that God is sovereign and good is the fundamental understanding of what it means for us to believe in him. His nature, his personhood, he is both over all things and he is good. And the moment we, we begin to mess with one of those things, we end up in dangerous territory, we end up in difficult uh, thinking. But because of our rebellion against God, and, and this when I say our rebellion, I mean the whole of the human race. The whole of the human race, the Bible tells us, has rejected God's rule over our lives. We have rejected his command to us, and we've gone our own way. We've set ourselves up as the commander or the God of our own lives. And in that, we, and we can see the devastating impact of that around us in the world. Because we discover as we live our lives that we are not fully good. That actually there are areas of selfishness, self-centeredness, and even evil that manifest out of us that we, we think, my gosh, if, if the, can you imagine for a moment if you were all-powerful? Being honest about your own heart and your own, uh, your own soul, can you imagine if you were all-powerful? Now, the devastation and the rebellion of, of the human race against God, we can see it so clearly. I mean, we're obviously living through this visible demonstration of aggression and hostility and uh, this shocking uh, devastation that we're seeing in Ukraine at the moment. It's a stark picture of what happens when man rebels against God and says, I'm going, to, I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to pursue my own dreams at the cost of everything else. Evil is all around us. We see it in the world. And the consequence of our rebellion against God, the consequence of our refusing to trust God is that we find ourselves in fear. The human race is an incredibly fearful race. Why are we in fear? Because when we stop trusting the one that is ultimately in control, we then need to find ways of controlling the factors that impact our lives. See, when we look to God as our provider and our protector, we don't need to control our lives. But when we are no longer looking to Him and we want to make sure that we get the outcomes we want, we need to become our own protector and our own provider. We need to begin to act as God in our lives. We need to begin to take His place in order to work out our own safety and security and when we, when we reject God, what happens is there's this powerlessness that we begin to, to, deal, to, to grapple with and we, we seek to control the circumstances around us. Let me ask you a question. What do you fear? What do you fear? Um, maybe for some of us, fear is about housing. The recognition that we live in such an expensive city. How will I get by? How will I ever be able to own a property? So we're asking questions about provision. Maybe our fear is about being alone. Will I ever find a partner? Or will I be alone all my life? Maybe I should compromise my faith and my values and just settle for whoever comes along, even if they don't follow Jesus, because I'd rather that than be alone. I fear being alone. Or maybe your fear is around finance. I won't have enough. I barely have enough to get through at the end of the month. I don't have enough to save anything. Or maybe you're... you're Fear is around the future, my retirement. I'm not building up much for my future. Where will I be in 10, 15, 20 years' time? Maybe your fear is of getting found out that what I have done in secret will be exposed and I will have to live with the consequences of it in front of others. Maybe your fear is death. I fear getting ill and dying. I feel I, I, I'm afraid of that whole uncertainty of, of death. 
Or, or maybe it's the safety or future of your children. You, you feel the sense of their vulnerability in this world. You feel a sense of your responsibility for them. And you wake up day after day with a knot in your stomach wondering if my kids will be okay. Maybe it's fear of losing your spouse. Or maybe it's the fear of shame. Will I be embarrassed in front of others? I, I hate being embarrassed. I find it so difficult to be truly vulnerable with others because I fear their ridicule and their judgment. Or maybe you fear rejection on a, on a broader scale. I fear, I fear that I won't be included. I, I, I won't, I won't, I'll be alone. I won't have my people around me. And the thing is that, uh, that this broken relationship with God uh, is the source of our fear. When we, when we don't trust God, we find ourselves in this place of fear. And we find that that fear itself begins to lead us into sin. And so, uh, for example, if we think about Abraham. Now, Abraham was... We, we might call him the father of promise. Abraham uh, was the beginning of the line that led to Israel, the line that led to Jesus, the line that leads to us. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you. And Abraham, in Genesis 12, gets this incredible promise. God says to him, I'm going to multiply you. Through, through Sarah, through your son, I'm going to make you into a vast nation. And I will provide for you. I will bless you. And actually, I'll protect you as well. I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you. The ultimate statement of protection. Imagine God himself fighting for me. I will bless those who bless you. Those, those who do me good, you will bless. Those who do me harm, seek to do me harm, you will curse. Provision and protection. God promises to Abraham. And through you, through your seed, I am going to bless every family on earth. The, the goal of what I'm doing with you here, Abraham, is going to be felt ultimately through every family on earth. I'm going to bring blessing to every single one. So, so Abraham and Sarah receive this incredible promise of God. But then famine comes on the land and they go down to Egypt and Abraham begins to fear for his life. And so he hatches a plan. He says to his wife, Sarah, you're such a beautiful woman that when the guys in Egypt see you, they're going to want you as their wife. And so they'll kill me in order to have you. So... Pretend you're my sister. So, so Abraham, the guy who has this promise about the blessing of God and the protection of God and how God's going to use Sarah, the, the line that comes through him and his wife Sarah, he puts his wife in a position of, of incredible danger. Pharaoh looks at her, says, great, you know, come be my wife. And Abraham puts the whole promise of God at risk. Now, we, we call Abraham the father of faith, don't we? And, uh, and so what happens is that Pharaoh gets ill. God judges his household. Uh, God prevents Pharaoh from sleeping with Sarah. Uh, God speaks to Pharaoh and says, uh, call my prophet. My prophet? My prophet, you mean the guy who lied to me? The guy who told me that this was his sister? Uh, go and call him to pray for you that I might heal you. Do not touch her. See, God protects. But what's fascinating is that Abraham, because of his fear, acts in incredible, uh, in incredible uh, disobedience, uh, a lack of trust in God. He doesn't trust God that when they go to Egypt, they'll be fine. But God, even in his disobedience, 
And this is the gospel, friends. Even in our disobedience, God protects us. God, God saves us even in the place where we don't obey him. Now, it, it doesn't happen once with Abraham. It happens twice. Not only does he do this with, with Pharaoh, he does it again with Abimelech. And he doesn't have learned his lesson. But even uh, more than that, we find that his son Isaac then does it with his wife, Rebecca. Pretend you're my sister in order that they won't kill me. So, so fear can start to run down generational lines. And, and actually, we can end up uh, not even seeing fear, not even identifying it as fear, because it's so normal to us, because it's run in our family line. This, it was my grandfather, my father, or it was my mother, my, my grandmother. It's just normal to us. Fear often portrays itself as wisdom. Saul is gathering the troops. The, the Philistines have come to fight against them, and Saul gathers the troops. And, and one of the things that Samuel says, I'm going to come to you. Samuel is a prophet in Israel, and there's the sense that when Samuel comes and offers the sacrifice, we know God's with us, and we can then go into battle. And Samuel says, I'm going to come to you. I will come. And the Philistines are coming, and Samuel doesn't arrive. Four days, five days, six days, seven days, Samuel hasn't arrived. And Saul is beginning to see his guys deserting. They're getting full of fear, and they're deserting. So Saul says, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to just offer the sacrifice myself. Now, Saul is not allowed to offer that sacrifice. It cannot be a king. He's not allowed to do it. It's one of the commandments given to the kings of Israel. You're not allowed to do this. But Saul decides... I've got to do this. I've got to rally the troops. I've got to have the sacrifice. And so we can go into war from there before all the guys desert me. Now, I imagine Saul never engaged with the thought that I am fearful and therefore I'm making this decision. I imagine he probably thought of it as a good leadership decision. He probably thought this is a, a, a wise decision. And so often we can actually cloak fear with wisdom. Why are you doing that? Well, it's wise. So often God calls us into obedience. Often God causes us to have to wait for things, just as Saul had to wait for Samuel. And what's happening in that waiting process is that God is proving our faith. God is giving us an opportunity to choose to, to, to press in after him and to believe him for his outcome rather than resorting to our own methods. And so often we find ourselves in waiting periods where the thing that we're longing for, the thing we're asking for, the thing that we're believing for is not happening. And in that moment... We can either back away from it, we can begin to respond in fear, or we can move towards Jesus and say, I choose to trust you in this. So the, this choice that is set before us is always, how will we act? We all experience fear. We all experience fear of different things. The question is, what will we do with it? Will we act out of that fear? Abraham acts out of fear. In fact, later on, Sarah acts. Hey, you can have my servant girl. What's she doing? She's, she's finding a substitute. She's providing for herself rather than... She's saying the waiting is too long. Maybe it's never going to happen. I'll just provide in, on God's behalf. God doesn't want us providing on his behalf. See, fear acts, uh, uh, encourages us to act in order to preserve ourselves. And fear diverts us from the plans of God for our lives. It melts away faith for the things that God has called us to. Now, when Samuel arrives, he sees that Saul has already sacrificed. 
And he, he says, listen, the kingdom has been taken away from you because you've acted in disobedience. And sadly, we can lose the things that God has for us when we act in disobedience. Rob Reimer says this. He says, how often do we fail to take kingdom risks because of fear? How frequently do we miss out on our prophetic destiny because we play it safe due to underlying fears? How many opportunities of eternal consequence do we pass up because fear makes us timid? How many kingdom ministries remain unfulfilled and eternal destinies remain unaltered because we fail to confront our fears? We must recognize and overcome our fear or forfeit our preferred future. So the stakes are high when it comes to how we operate regarding fear. Do we act out of fear or do we confront fear and begin to act out of faith? To give in to fear is to rob ourselves of God's plans and purposes for our lives. And to give in to fear is to rob God of what He has in store for us. Now, the wonderful news, and I've already pointed it out, is that even though Abraham was disobedient, God still protected them. God still provided for them. God still honored the promise that he had made to them. And it is true with us. And, and, and so this huge confidence that comes to us through the gospel that we don't need to walk in fear. We don't need to look at our circumstances and say, my circumstances define how I should act. We can look rather to the promise of God. And that's what a faith-filled believing people do. What we do is we say, despite my circumstances, despite what I'm dealing with, I fix my gaze on Jesus and I begin to follow him in this circumstance that I find myself in. So the gospel frees us from fear. And this is, so, so right at the base level of who we are, the base level of what God has done for us, He frees us from fear by what Jesus has done for us. The gospel teaches us that because, and, and, and Doreen said it this morning, because of God's great love for us, we can hand over the reins to our lives and we can trust God to be our provider and our protector. When we weren't seeking God, He sought us. Do you understand that? When you weren't seeking Him, He came after you. When you weren't looking for Him, when you were maybe even looking in the opposite direction, He came after you. He pursued you. He said, I want you. I'll have you. When you, the Bible says, and, and Doreen read it this morning, when you were dead in your sin, when you were a son of disobedience, when you were a child of wrath, that is when Jesus but God, who is rich in mercy and, and great in His love, that's when He pursued you. And so for each one of us, now, it may be that you have come to put your trust in Jesus. It may be that you're sitting here this morning and you don't know Jesus. You've never put your trust in Him. You've never said to Him, okay, I repent of, of, of living for myself, of making my own decisions for myself, of being my own provider and my own protector, and I choose to trust you with my life. Maybe that that's where you're at today. Well, today you can hear the message of God's love for you, and you can make a decision. I'm going to put my life in your hands. I'm going to relinquish control today. When we weren't seeking he, Him, He sought us. He saved us when we were dead. He made promises over our lives that none of us have deserved, and He called us to put our hand in His hand and to walk with Him. And so God's heart for us is to come right in close. It's not to be far away. It's to be right in close. I want you to put your hand in my hand and I want to walk with you. I want to lead you because I love you, because I'm with you. When you put your trust in Jesus, you trust him with your eternity. 
But one of the things we've talked about quite a lot in this series is that salvation comes in three parts. We've talked about justification, which is where we first place our trust in God, and God says, you're mine. And He, uh, and he uh, imputes or He uh, attributes the righteousness of Jesus to you. But then there's the process of sanctification where God says, now you're going to grow in this righteousness. I'm going to work in you by my Holy Spirit to change you so that you become like Jesus. And the third part of that is glorification at the end of the age. (coughs) Excuse me. I do apologize. When we get to the end of the age and we are glorified, everything comes together in that moment and we are fully what Jesus was or what Jesus is uh, in terms of our righteousness, I should say. So this process of sanctification is our walking out day to day out of fear into faith, into the promises of God, beginning to own and claim and inherit the things that God has said over us and to us. 1 John 4 verse 18 says this. He says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. It's an incredible statement. John, one of Jesus' disciples, is saying, There is no fear in love. When you're loved, when you know you are loved, when you have understood the gravitas of the love of God for you, you will find that there is that 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 love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. There's this sense that we know. We are under judgment. We know we don't get it right. We know our lives are not enough. We know that there is a disjointedness between us and God. Until we put our faith in Jesus and we begin to receive his love, when we receive his love, we begin to discover actually there is no longer a fear of judgment. There is no punishment left. Everything that I deserved has been poured out on Jesus on the cross. And everything that he had, his righteousness, has been given to me. And and so there is no fear in God's love when we know that we're loved by God. When we know that we're loved by God, it sets us free to live by faith, to walk into the things that God has for us. And so God is wanting us as a church, and, and church, this is so, this is critical, really, that He wants us to understand the gravitas, the weight of His love for us, that we might walk free from fear and filled with faith. What is faith? Faith is trust. It means I trust you with my future. When you say, I will be with you, I trust you that I will never be alone. I trust you that the promises that you make to me, even if they don't happen in the way that I expect them to happen or in the timing that I expect them to happen, I know that when you make promises, you are faithful to to, uh, fulfill them. I know that you will do that. And so when we come to a knowledge of God's love, We find fear begins to dissipate. We find freedom begins to come and we begin to act in faith. Now, Jesus modeled how to deal with fear. When Jesus was in Gethsemane, just before Jesus was crucified, we read the story of how he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was grappling with God, knowing that the next day he would be crucified, knowing the ordeal that was before him. And Jesus uh, tells us the emotion or the the travail of his soul was so uh, deep and so agonizing that he actually wept blood during that, during that evening. Now, this is, uh, there are accounts of soldiers in the First World War when they were due to go over the trenches uh, who, who literally sweated blood 
during their, uh, because of the fear of going over that, over that wall into the, into the machine guns, into the artillery that they knew they would face. So there are other documented um, instances where people have sweated blood. Jesus, in the agony of his soul, sweated blood. Jesus was experiencing fear, uh, was looking forward to what he was going to experience with deep anguish. Uh, maybe you have experienced incredible anguish. Maybe uh, in your life there have been things that you have experienced incredible fear in. Well, Jesus experienced it. And this is how Jesus dealt with it. We read the story in Luke 22, verse 41 to 44. He withdrew from his disciples about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed. So Jesus, when he was experiencing fear, the first thing he did was he prayed. He began to seek God. He got on his knees. He, 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 he began to call out to God. And we have a summary of his prayer because he prayed for hours. But the summary of his prayer was, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Okay, so, so he's asking, Lord, I don't want, uh, Father, I don't want to go through this. In his natural self, in his humanity, Jesus did not want to go to the cross. Jesus did not want to move into that place. And yet he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus in that moment surrenders to the Father and says, I will do whatever you want me to do. Lord, save me, Father, save me from this, but I will do whatever you want me to do. So Jesus in that moment confronts his fear, but looks to the Father and trusts him. And it's interesting that Luke then tells us that there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus, on the back of that, acts in faith. Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus comes out of the Garden of Gethsemane and goes to the cross. He does the thing that God has sent him there for. He confronts his fear, he prays, he works it through, and then he acts. Now, you will either sin as a result of your fear, or you will confront it and act with faith. Jesus trusted God, trusted his Father, and so acted. And the Holy Spirit empowered him. An angel came and strengthened him. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit empowers us to act like Jesus in faith. The Holy Spirit wants to catch you and I up and to lead us in faith and to step into all that God has for us. How do we do that? First of all, we need to identify our fear. What's your fear? What's your cup of suffering in that sense? Fear can be hidden, composed, as I said, as wisdom. It composes ambition or drive. It can be generational, as we said earlier on. Sometimes we can identify that we've sinned, but we haven't identified what was behind the sin was fear. And so the, the chances are we will go back into that sin again because we haven't actually dealt with the underlying issue, which was our fear. And we need to get to that and deal with that in order to begin to act in faith and obedience in the future. Some of the indicators of fear are things like, in the moment, a kick of adrenaline, an overwhelming sense of the need to escape, our flight reflex, or to become aggressive, our fight reflex. And it could look like different things for different ones of us. It might look like withdrawal. It might look like going into a fantasy world. It might look like shutting down to others or turning inward or becoming passive-aggressive. Uh, it might look like anger and attacking others. It might look like becoming defensive or it might look like controlling behavior. All of these are indications that what's going on inside of us is a root of fear. And we need to ask the, ourselves this question. We need to stop in that moment and rather just go with what we're feeling. We need to stop and ask the question, why 
am I feeling like this? What is going on inside me? What uh, am I seeking to protect? What am I afraid of losing? What is underneath my reaction? Nine times out of ten, we'll find it's fear of something. And what we then need to do is what Jesus did and bring it to God in prayer. We need to get before God and say, God, I am recognizing that I am fearful of this. And we need to begin to ask God to search us. David prays in Psalm 139 verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I want you to root out the anxious thoughts that are inside me. Point out anything in me that offends you. The implication is my anxious thoughts actually offend you. There there are things that can lead me into sin and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So, So David invites God to speak into these areas of fear, into these areas of his heart. We come to God in prayer. We begin to submit ourselves. And in that process, we surrender. We say, God, your will be done. The reality is, God, there, there are often times where God does not intervene. Jesus, God the Father did not say, Jesus, I'm going to save you from the cross. No, the very reason Jesus had been sent was for the cross. And so there are times where we have to go through things But we go through them by faith, knowing God is with us, having dealt with, having confronted the fear beforehand and walking by faith through the thing that the the obstacle or the challenging situation that lies before us. And we do that applying the gospel. I didn't choose you. You chose me. We move into a place of, see, this is a deliberate moment where we, where we step into faith. Faith doesn't just happen in us. Faith comes as we consider something. Faith is often connected to choice. We choose to believe. We choose to trust. In that moment, we take the gospel and we apply it in our own hearts. I need not fear because you are with me. You will get me through this. I will not be alone. We begin to address our fear. We surrender to God and we address our fear. Lord, I'm, I'm fearful about my high housing situation. Thank you, Jesus, that you are my landlord. Thank you, Jesus, that you will provide all my needs. I'm I'm fearful, Lord, in terms of a future partner. Jesus is my husband. I will choose to trust you. I will choose to go with you. I know you have my best interests at heart. I know you are with me. I know you love me. I know I can experience your fellowship day after day. Lord, I'm fearful in my finance. I won't have enough. Lord, you said that I'm more important than the sparrow or the lilies. You said that I'm more important to you, so I will trust you for your provision. I will trust you even though I'm struggling financially. I will trust you that you will make a way for for me, and I will follow and make wise and godly decisions in the way that I approach my finances. My retirement, God, you are the God of my future. We begin to apply the gospel into these things. Death, I'm fearful of death. Lord Jesus, thank you that death is a gateway into glory. I get to be with you for all eternity. See, we have to go here. We have to begin to enunciate these things. We've got to speak to our souls and begin to own that which is by faith. The safety and future of my children. The God who gave these Precious beings into my care, loves them more than I love them. He's more committed to my children than I am. He's for my children. He loves them. He is their protector and their provider in a way I could never be. He will be their protector and provider when their their moment of making decisions for their own lives and their own future and their own spouses comes along. He's the one who's going to lead them through that. I I, I can't provide for them at that point. I can't protect them forever. God will be the one. Jesus, thank you that you love them. And on it goes. Shame. I came into a relationship with God in brokenness. I, I, we all came in the same way. We came in with shame. We came in with brokenness. 
And Jesus took our shame. Jesus, in one sense, became shame for us. He was shamed on the cross, stripped naked, exposed for all the world to see. He took our shame. And he says, you come into this family. You come into salvation. You come in on the basis of me honoring you. Hallelujah. Jesus honors us. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it wonderful? Jesus honors you. Jesus honors me. And he says, you can expose yourself. You can be vulnerable because I've done it for you. And I'm bringing you through this process into all that I have for you. I fear rejection. Do you know what? The gospel tells me I'm adopted. (laughs) That means I was chosen. I was called by name. I was loved before the foundation of the world. He set his face towards me. He set his hands upon me. He embraced me. He said, child, you're mine. He gave himself for me. He loved me when I didn't deserve it. He set me in a high place with him, seated with him in heavenly places. Oh, I will never be rejected. I will never be rejected. So we receive his peace in this place of prayer. And, and often we need to learn to pray through to a place of peace. See, sometimes we come and we just, we, we just pray, Lord Jesus, please take this fear from me. And then we move on. But actually we need to learn how to pray through to a place of peace. So pray through to a place when you know, okay, God has done it. John 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Do you know that the command that is made more than any other command in Scripture is this? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, Jesus says to us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Put your trust in me. And then in that place of putting our trust in God, he says, now receive power from the Holy Spirit to act in faith. Begin to step in to what I have for you. Confront, step into faith by acting against fear in courage. Look your fear right in in the eye. What do I fear? Look it in the eye. Ask the question of the Lord, how do I step into this in courage? How do I go through this? God's calling us. Listen, God is calling people in this room into adventures of faith. And right now, uh, there is, in our lives, there are all measure of things, all manner of things that might stop us stepping into that journey, that uh, adventure that God has for us. Jesus is saying to each one of us, I called you for purpose. I've written promises over your lives. Will you trust me? That's, so so we, we always ask the question, do you love me? Jesus always asks us the question, do you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Over and over and over again. Yes, I love you. I dealt with that on the cross. Okay, I love you. It's written for you to see. Now will you trust me? Will you walk the walk of trust? And so we get this opportunity moment by moment, day by day to say, Jesus, I trust you and I'm going to step in to what you have for me. Why don't we stand together? I wonder if the band would come up. What I want to do is I want to read Psalm 23 over you. I just want to speak to you of God's heart for you. And and then um, we're going to read it twice, actually. The first time, I want you just to close your eyes, and I'm going to read it over you, and I'm going to turn it from me to you. And then the second time, I want us to open our eyes and just read it on the screen slowly and speak it out with me. So we're, we're speaking to God of, of His goodness towards us. And then I want to take a few moments to wait and to pray and just I believe the Holy Spirit wants to come to some people and He wants to deliver us from fear today. For some of us in this room, fear has actually become a very significant part of your life. Uh, And it's ruling a lot of decisions that you're making. 
and God wants to set you free today. So why don't you just close your eyes for a moment? I just want to read this over you. Just try and take in, drink in the words that I'm saying. And let's not have any music for now. Let's just keep it, keep it quiet. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. You don't need to be in want. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. He restores your soul. Two years. He's a restorer of your soul. He leads you in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. For He is with you. His rod and His staff, His shepherding tools, they protect you, they comfort you. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies, in the midst of battle, in the midst of challenge, He provides for you. He anoints your head with oil and your cup overflows. He, he speaks to giving authority and provision to you, anointing to you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. Now what I want us to do is just say it again, but speak to our souls. Preach to our souls. See, so often we speak to our souls the wrong things. We speak to our souls about fear. We speak to our souls about, maybe we have internal conversations with others which are negative. God wants to teach us, to speak to our souls, to preach to our souls. So right now, we're going to just read this slowly. I just want you to take it in for yourself. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, Lord, you are our God. We're not a people of fear, but of faith. You're a rewarder. Just for a moment, we're just going to wait. But I just encourage you to wait with expectation. The Holy Spirit's among us right now. Maybe you just want to stretch out your hands to Him. Maybe as I've been speaking, you've just had a sense of, I know, God's, God's just showing me an area of fear in my heart. Why don't you just, in this moment, present it to the Lord?
just while we're standing in God's presence, I just have a sense, I, I felt God give me the word regret. And I had a sense of uh, people feeling regretful for decisions that they have made in a place of fear, from a position of fear. If that's you, well, just, just while our eyes are closed, would you just put your hand up and wave at me? That's you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? You just know that's for you. Yeah. Thank you. If you've just responded to God, why don't you just expect the Holy Spirit to come now? Holy Spirit, I just ask you that you'd come on those people who have, that you're just wanting to work in. Just let your gentle touch, Holy Spirit, come right now. Lord, I just ask you for a freedom from regret. I pray, Lord Jesus, for a sense of being able now just to receive the affirmation of God and the knowledge that you can step in to the purposes and plans of God that what has happened in the past does not stop you stepping into his future. I just want to speak that over you right now in the name of Jesus. That what's happened in the past is not disqualifying you, is not a disqualification for God's call on the future. What we're going to do is just going to We're going to close the meeting with a song. But if you know there's something that needs to be prayed through in terms of, actually, I know I've been living out of a place of fear. I'd love to just pray with you down the front. It would be great to have a few people to come down and help us pray.